Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into episode 161, yes, 161 of the Get Around Podcast. My name is Jake Adnip, sitting in the host chair with my friends James Cook and Andrew Rosenthal. Say hello, gentlemen. Hey, guys. <laughs> we, said, we said it at the same time. That was the point. I was hoping you guys would just mumble jumble over each other. But no. we are here for another glorious episode of your hyper-local sports podcast, and I'm going to start you off with a good fun story. You know, last week I went off and covered skiing for the first time outdoors this year. Got to see all these kids. And I, lo- by the way, they all make it look so easy. Just make it look so easy to go down a, a very, very steep hill at a very breakneck speed with all that precision. But, of course, got me back in the mood to get on the slopes myself. And I went back out and I went snowboarding this weekend. And I, I, I'll, long story short, pretty sure I broke my rib and gave myself a mild concussion. <laughs> So as I sit here half broken in the podcast studio, um, it's good to be here. Good to be alive. Second of all, how these kids all make this look so like you see these two, three, four year old kids out on the slopes on their snowboard or on their skis. And they're just like going all fine and dandy and scooting all over the place. And you're just like, wait, what? How? I mean, I guess it did take me 26, 25 years of my life. Um, before I learned how to snowboard 24 years of my life before I learned how to snow ski. And I still obviously don't know how to snowboard very well. But I fell on three or four different occasions when I was snowboarding. And I, this is only, mind you, this is the second time I snowboarded since I learned how to snowboard when I was in Denver. I actually got the hang of it, mind you, but there was two times that I fell just face forward. And uh, the second time I got the wind knocked out of me pretty dang bad. And two days later... I basically still feel like I have the wind knocked out of me, so I'm pretty sure I cracked or fractured one of my ribs. So, yeah, wish me luck in my recovery. I feel like I got hit by, like, a little Honda Civic or something. A little Honda Civic? Uh, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, I don't think I'm, like, completely broken because I don't feel – I wouldn't say I got feel like I got hit by a truck. I feel like I got okay. hit by a Honda Civic or, like, a, a Toyota Prius. A sedan of some, tor- Not some a, sort. Not a small-sized sedan, you know, a, a little tiny one. Two-door. Yeah, two-door sedan. Anyways, uh, just big props to all of our skiers, all of our – you know, alpine specialists out there. I don't just, I think you learn that you got to teach your kids how to do that young. So it's kind of just like a second nature thing because man, it is tough to pick that stuff up when you are grown as hell in my age at the very least. Yeah, I'm always amazed at going to ski meets and, you know, there's hundreds of these skiers and they're each doing, you know, four runs between, you know, Balam and GS and everything. And you only see a handful of them fall ever. And they're going way faster than any of us will ever go down a ski mountain. And, and still, hardly any of them ever fall. We say way faster. I think I've actually gone faster than some of those people down a mountain. But that's because I, have, I had no idea how to stop, slow down, go back and forth. Controlled fast. Uh, but the, once again, the precision that they do it with, big ups, mad respect for all y'all. Especially when you, you're out there in the cold and you're just like, man, at least, they're, at least they look like they're having fun. Um, we're going to get into some more of that in this episode. Skiing being one of the only things that is actually going on in the sports world. Uh, I wrote a story this weekend, All Eyes on Ski. Shout out Tupac, All Eyes on Me. Uh, we uh, had a chance to go out to the Big North Conference meet last week and see some of the top skiers in the area. Uh, James had a chance to go out and go to his first ever bowling meet. So he's going to give a little report from his first ever chance at covering bowling. Um, we will get into that a little bit later. We have a great interview with a bowler, Traverse City West senior, Blade Cowbflesh, and the former goalkeeper for the Traverse City West Titans joined us here on the podcast, so make sure you stick around for that great interview uh, with him a bit later on. After the interview, we're going to get into another rendition of the Get Around Hall of Fame, put another couple people in who deserve to be in the most exclusive club in Northern Michigan, and we're going to get back into our trifecta, which last week we speculated on where Mike Stafford might end up. Now we know, and I want to ask, we're going to talk if the trade was worth it for the Lions. So stick with us to the end of the episode, and we will find out who won those two free tickets from Jimmy John's for liking or sharing our podcast episode from last week. We're going to go ahead and dive into the pulse, put our finger on the heartbeat of the sports world, and talk about, like I said, and kind of what we started by talking about, the alpine skiing world, all eyes on ski. They're about halfway through their season, fellas. We've gotten about the only thing we've been able to put in the newspaper for the last month. Uh, well, more like three weeks because they really did just start up a few weeks ago. But all eyes are on skiing, and it seems that these kids 
for once are kind of feeling the pressure. What do you think? Uh, what do you think it's like for these kids being really until last Thursday when bowling was open, being the only sport that was able to participate in face-to-face competition? Um, I mean, it's got to be different for them because I, I normally I think skiing and bowling, even though our traditionally our teams in skiing especially are pretty darn good on the state level, they're used to kind of flying under the radar. So it, it, it's got to be kind of unusual for them to be uh, the focus of all the attention like this. You know, when I had a chance to speak with even, you know, Aiden Lewandowski, who's been at the top of the game for Traverse City West over the last couple of years, um, he goes, yeah, people actually started to, like, care. They're really kind of into it. And I think that's cool. I mean, given a chance, and it was actually Traverse City Central head coach Amy Kudari who brought this up to me and said, I asked my skiers, uh, who's going to go play basketball this year? You know, who's getting their fourth varsity letter? Skiing is supposed to be done on the 23rd of February is the state finals date. The 18th is regionals. February 21st is when everybody else is supposed to be able to start sports back up again. So in reality, skiing is going to be able to finish, start and finish their season before the winter sports season for wrestling, hockey, basketball, and cheerleading actually go on. What kind of crazy thought is that? That's something I don't think anybody kind of put into perspective when we are laying out these schedules in August or October of last year when things started to go kind of haywire that skiing kind of is going to have its own season uninhibited by the marks of others rather than just a few bowling meets here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, it's going to be weird that they're going to be completely done. The state finals in skiing will be, in theory, the first day that basketball can play. How many basketball teams play that first Monday night? I don't know, but, you know, because everybody's still working on schedules. None of those schedules are probably in their final form yet. They probably won't be by the time it comes around either. <laughs> it's, it's kind of amazing that you're almost going to have four seasons. Yeah. Because, like, winter's split in three. You had the completion of the fall sports, you know, so you had football and, and swimming and volleyball finish. And then now you're having the, the ski season and bowling season. And all the bowling will run into March. So that'll, you know, hopefully coincide with basketball. And then you got basketball. It's, you know, and all the, and hockey and wrestling and all those on their own. Weird that it's almost like four seasons. Yeah, that's what I was saying. You probably could get four varsity letters if you're a skier, a fall sports person, a skier, and then you could do, say, basketball or wrestling and then get into a spring sport here in just whatever, a month and a half, two months. Well, I, I wanted to talk about a few of those guys while we have a chance, and I was down there. I had a chance to speak with uh, and see uh, quite a few of the top skiers from the area. Obviously, I mentioned Aiden Lewandowski from Traverse City West. His teammates, Ben Lober and Charlie Licht, both of them. Charlie Licht, just a freshman. He won the Pepitown Slalom after Aiden fell. But just another one of those kids uh, to watch out for. On Traverse City Central, there was a couple of guys who, you know, really still were up in the top with Austin Sill, Max Werner, uh, Michael Bohr. But really, if you look at Petoskey, you know, they took that year off, came back, won that state title um, in skiing. And they're led by a group of four guys who are just right. I think there was it went Aiden Lewandowski and then three Petoskey guys, fifth place, and then sixth place was another Petoskey guy uh, in the Big North meet just this past Thursday. So people to watch out for, Anders McCarthy, Wyatt Matson, Nolan Walkerdine, and Will Goals. Uh, these guys were within milliseconds of each other, um, like you said, after going down on a few runs. They're definitely going to be contenders for a state title if they can stay within the top five of every one of the meets that they are you know, participating in. Yeah. Maybe Will Bowles could be one of those guys who gets uh, four letters. He could, uh, once the skiing season starts, stops, uh, he go out for hockey. He's got the name for it. <laughs> that he does. That he does. You know, Cadillac has a young team. Gaylord has a, a pretty uh, young and inexperienced team there, working their way through Big North Conference there last week. If you go over to the girls' side, though, Traverse City Central has just been destroying uh, everybody in the Big North. They won all three of the first Big North Conference meets, have a firm grasp on the Big North Conference title as of right now. Um, obviously led by Elle Craven. Uh, had a chance to speak with her, but she, she like Aileen Wielandowski, is just obviously the fastest skier out of these big schools in our area. So when you watch her go down the mountain, uh, you know she's leading a good Trojan team of several girls with Sarah Beattie, Maddie Cox, uh, Lily Kuberski, all these girls who are ending up in the top ten every single time. Uh, so they're definitely somebody to watch out for in that Division One finals as well. Traverse City Central might be able to make that leap and get up all the way, take over Marquette, and win that girls' state final this year. Now, James, I did mention at the top of the episode, you got a chance to 
cover your first bowling meet. Obviously a little bit different, looks a little different than it would in a normal year, but what was it like for you diving out there and trying something new? Yeah, that's, I just had never been, one of those things, I'd just never been to a bowling meet ever in, in uh, 25 years now of covering high school sports. Yeah, it was it was interesting. It took me back to like the days when I was in middle school and high school. And I played in some stuff, but uh, as I told uh, Trevor City Central's coach, I was pretty much just a you know show up, try not to get too mad, and enjoy my French fries kind of guy. Not that serious of a bowler, but these these kids are pretty good. I mean, Carson Fryer hit rolled a two thirty. He's a freshman in his first competitive match on varsity. Start with a two thirty. Yeah. I mean, that, which was the best score of anybody in the whole the whole meet. <laughs> and, uh, you know, TC Central looks like the the boys. They look like pre- they're pretty good. And then uh, TC Christian obviously has Hunter Haldeman back. Uh, Cadillac has a bunch of guys back, uh, led by Dylan Vermilia. And uh, you know, on, the, on the girls' side, I think, you know, again, it's wet. But Percy Christian looking solid. They had another girl in the junior varsity. They had rolled a 188. So I'm imagining she's not going to be in the junior varsity for very long. That's uh, Emily Cherkasova. Just, I, I want to ask, from a sports writer's perspective, what was the most challenging thing about covering a new event in 25 years of not doing something and probably not having many firsts uh, in your career anymore? Yeah, you had to, I had to learn how to take pictures because it's different. You can't, you, you can't get in front of them. And you can't get they, next to them because they're people bowling in the lanes next to them so you can't get next to them so you got to get behind them and pretty much wait and hope that somebody shows some kind of emotion or has a reaction to getting a strike or something and that's about it maybe you need a really good lens so you can just like zoom in on their hand as they release the ball i don't know i'm not a professional photographer shout out to our professional photographer jan michael stump today is his birthday uh shout out to our photographer uh Best damn pro in the land. Happy He's birthday, Jan. Of, uh, cool sports photos for uh, athletes in the area, too. Yeah, happy birthday, Jan. If you don't know Jan and you see Jan, wish him a happy birthday every day of the year because Jan is the I man. I am actually texting Jan at this moment. That's why I was kind of silent in the first couple segments of this podcast. I mean, it, it was it was interesting in that it was, uh, there was no spectators allowed whatsoever. So a bunch of the teams were live streaming. You know, they had a camera or a phone set up behind the lane. And they were just live streaming it, and then they had people from all over watching those live streams. You know, parents, grandparents, relatives. Uh, you know, the, I think it was the Traverse City West coach who said, "You know, we've got people from uh, from Missouri watching this this live stream, the bowling meet." Um, you know, it wasn't February first yet, so the you you couldn't even bring in a bottle of water. Nonetheless, they would sell them there. You couldn't even bring one in. So what was the craziest thing you saw at your first bowling meet? There wasn't a whole lot of crazy. It was, a lot of the kids just seemed like they were just happy to be there. And, and some of them, like uh, the girl from Benji Central that I interviewed, you know, hadn't been to online classes for the whole year, you know, compromised. And so this is like one of the first social interactions that she's had. She had never even met some of her teammates before. So, you know, and it was just a... Seemed like a, a good release for a lot of kids. Well, let's go ahead and meet one of those bowlers that we talked about, Trevor City West senior, Blade Cowflesh. We had a great interview with him here at the Get Around for episode 161. Let's go ahead and give a listen to that now. The Get Around podcast is excited to welcome in Trevor City West senior, Blade Cowflesh. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Hi, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, we've uh, we talked about having you on the podcast. Uh, obviously, during soccer season, that was a big thing, but um, kind of a particular spot right now where just skiing and just bowling are now able to kind of go off. So we're going to get a chance to talk about that. Before we get into that with Blade, we're going to dive into our Freaky Fast Five, which is a nod to our sponsors at Jimmy John's. I'll go ahead and go first. Name your top three things that you need with you during a zombie outbreak. Ooh, a bat, food, and a gun. Uh, so, what's the weirdest reaction you've ever gotten from somebody telling them that your first name is Blade? <laughs> it's normally just I'll say my name, and then they'll like they'll pause and look around, and just they'll they'll never know what to do. They'll always either say say like Blake. Uh, have you, I'm I'm pretty sure wasn't Wesley Snipes a vampire hunter in a movie series called Blade? 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Have you have you ever uh, you ever seen that? Not like fully, but I've seen like you know, little clips of it and stuff. Okay, oh, those are pretty. I'm, from what I remember, those are pretty like badass movies. <laughs> um, if, if your parents do remember, if your parents have ever told you why they named you Blade, what was the reason behind it? I legitimately think it's because they saw it in a book, it, like a long time ago. They were just they didn't know what to name me, and they were looking through a book, and Blade popped up, and they're like, "It's a pretty cool name." They just did that. I mean, Not... if it's by alphabetical order, they didn't have to look far for it. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> in in light of the the latest things that have happened in the stock market and GameStop seemingly about to be out of business. What franchise or company do you wish would go out of business? Would? Yes. Ooh. Honestly, speaking of it, GameStop isn't too uh, too grand really for me, so <laughs> I wouldn't, wouldn't be too sad if that left. <laughs> What's something that if you were to win first place at, you wouldn't be very proud of? Gosh. We like the existential questions in this part. We don't get, right. we don't get this serious in the other parts. <laughs> Gosh, I can't think of anything. Wouldn't be. Um, I don't know. Maybe like a hot dogging competition. Okay. Yeah, you probably feel really sick at the end of that. That's why. Yeah, I really feel good. <laughs> I think we what's have one. The, what's the best design you've seen for a bowling ball? Design? Hmm. Yeah, because I've seen some crazy ones with logos and some colors. I mean. Yeah, I mean, how do you do it up in the bowling ball game? Honestly, it's one I have. I don't have it anymore. Yeah, uh, because it. I just got rid of it. It's too old. But uh, I used to have, uh, it's by Motive, and it's like, I liked it. It's like green stripes with like gray and black. And when you are like, when you roll it down the lane, the colors and stuff, it, it mixes really good, and it looks sick. Yeah, I uh, I remember my Scooby-Doo bowling ball. I think I was in the Cartoon Network Bowling League when I was a kid. I'll never, <laughs> I'll never get over it. But that was the Freaky Fast Five, a nod to our sponsor at Jimmy John's. We're going to go ahead and dive into the rest of our interview here with Blade. Uh, I've, I've, as we kind of got into, Blade's one of the bowlers over at Traverse City West. Uh, we had a lot of chances to talk to a few of his teammates uh, on their run in the soccer state finals. Uh, but let's talk about this winter season just to start off with. As Andrew brings up uh, the bowling, I mean, First of all, how did you get into bowling, and how did you, uh, you know, get onto the varsity squad and and start competing uh, as this as your winter sport? Um, well, I started when I was like three, ever since I've been little, because my brother and sister, my whole family, really have uh, bowled their entire life. So I kind of just thrown into it, which is good. And I've just always been interested in it and wanted to progress, I guess. And uh, the coach, well, he's not here anymore, but uh, Brian Rickert used to be the uh, varsity coach. And ever since I was coming up, he always was looking at me and liked me. And before I came into high school, he was like, talking about me and talking about you know, where I would stand on the team. And, yeah, I mean, it came, came to be pretty good. Always fun competing. Yeah, now uh, what, what would you say your technique is on the bowling alley? I know you said when you, when you, it sounded like you are a pretty big curveballer uh, if you're talking about mixing colors with the ball. But what's your technique as you, uh, as you bowl? Um, so I'm not really traditional. I kind of use two hands instead of one. So uh, that definitely, like you said about the colors, makes it makes the ball look cooler when it's spinning. Because I normally, uh, uh, I guess, for people that don't really know a lot about it, I spin the ball faster, I guess, or more revs. So it finally it helps me out. It's more becoming a uh, familiar now to the game of bowling because it's getting a bit one-handed style is kind of getting out of hand or uh, out of hand, but uh, out of style, I guess. The last time we had some bowlers on our show was uh, uh, one of your female teammates, Noel Phillips yeah. and Ryan Mahalski, when you guys went down to, I think, a regional. I mean, what is the bowling culture like at Traverse City West that continues to produce such good athletes? Do you think, what or what do you think it is? I don't know. First, I don't know. Just a lot of people, we like the sport. It's not like a bunch of kids that are coming in here just because they like have to or being forced to. We genuinely love the sport. And... We all want to see each other get better and see each other progress. And once we're at like those high stages for regional, like you said, it's fun seeing all of our hard work pay off and team events and too. It's just it's good atmosphere. We all genuinely love bowling. In competition or in, you know not obviously you've been bowling since you were three and it's been a family thing. What's the best game you've ever bowled? Uh, last year at regionals uh, to send our team to the states, uh, I bowled a two ninety eight. That is <laughs> I, so. No, is it two ninety eight? Does that feel really good, or does that feel like just full of regret <laughs> for two pins? It's it definitely it feels good, but it definitely doesn't feel 
if it doesn't feel too good, it's a mixture. It's really a lot of mixed feelings. What, would it be better if you got like a 278 and you're like, oh my gosh, this was like a really, really good game, but not perfect? I yeah. Yeah, I genuinely feel like that would have been better too because that's always just in the back of my head. Of, I just, uh, it's tough. Not so how do you bowl a 298 then? Is it just you strike every every frame before the last and then it's when you get an eight? Yeah, yep. Just last ball, one more ball. And what, I, was it a split or how, how did it end up? No, it wasn't a split. I just threw it like like just a bit uh, to the left and just went through the nose of the pocket and it just left two standing, just right in the middle. Now when you're tossing, you said you're two-handed, obviously you're spinning the ball quite a bit. Do you go all the way across the lane and come all the way back with your with your ball? Like, Would you start on the far left-hand side of the lane with your feet? Um, well, it depends, really. If I'm starting out like a match, I'll normally stay kind of where everyone else stands because just depending on the oil but then once as uh, the match progresses my style obviously gets me more um hook on the ball so i'll have to move all the way over to the left and then i'll eventually start hooking the whole lane but it really just depends i know some skiers have started uh or we've seen on or in some ski teams there's players that would have done a winter sport like basketball or wrestling come out for skiing uh have you seen that at all in the bowling sphere we kind of we have some new people for the girls. They always norm, girls always normally come and go, just because I guess that's how they're. I don't know. I guess that's just how they roll. But uh, boys, we're kind of been the same group ever since. How do you adjust your like? I know a lot of when I went out for the bowling team, my my uh, in high school, I thought it was just gonna be a bunch of popcorn and uh, pretzels. Turns out it's a super competitive thing. Is the sport that? kind of way where you can't really jump into it just without any prior experience in your opinion yeah yeah because there's a lot even though it looks like just like a friday night thing that you can do you can be good at it but there's a lot of insights that like you need to know and have to know like you have to be able to read the lane and just read your ball and it's yeah you have to have years of experience to it i think and then what background did you have before west really nothing i just do a Saturday league, and I just kept getting better all through those years. And I did some tournaments here and there, but none really like that were important, just fun tournaments. But the only time I started really competing for something was high school. So, when you, do you do the uh, two-handed shots when you uh, are trying to pick up spares too, or do you go to a one-handed for you know just more of a straight ball? Like that? Um. So when you when you switch uh, styles, you have to keep that style throughout the whole game. So you have to shoot your uh, strike ball with it and your spares. So if you make that decision, you have to kind of be able to adapt to the spare game too, because it's definitely a, kind of a challenge. They don't they don't allow you to go from one to the other. Yeah, no, you can't. It's against the rules to go from one to the other. Oh, okay. Yeah. What uh, what size ball do you use with two hands? Then is it a lot heavier than everybody else's? Uh, kind of. I mean, it's weird. I'll switch between sixteen and fifteen just depending on the ball because sometimes a different brand feels better heavier to me or feels better lighter to me it just really depends on the brand now can you use this can you use different balls within the match but not just different styles or do you have to say one ball one style the whole time no you can use different balls it's just the only thing that has to say the same is uh the style so everything else, every other ball can change but how many balls are you allowed to bring with you to a match I think now it's only three, but okay. you can you can only have three up on like the rack, but you can go into your bag and replace it, but just three on the rack. So you, you technically could bring like one of it, like every weight if you really wanted to. Yeah, yeah, I bring normally all my balls if it's a high school competition or any other competition, just because you never know what the lanes are going to be. What's it been like being one of two sports that are in the state that are playing right now? Um. It's fun. I definitely feel like it's uh, a privilege because we're the, pretty much the only ones that are getting to do our last sport. As a, uh, well, some seniors, some juniors, but for the seniors, I really feel like it's a, a blessing because we get to experience our last high school uh, season for sports. Mm-hmm. Now, those two sports are clearly not the same, soccer and bowling. I know we don't really see a lot of soccer players play basketball in the, in the winter, mm-hmm. Um but why do you do both, and what do any skills carry over to the other? Bowling and soccer are very different sports, but uh, I don't really think anything really carries over. Now, the only thing you really need for bowling that I think may carry over is balance, I guess, or stability. But, yeah. 
I mean, let, let's talk a little bit about that run with soccer. Like I said, we got a chance to speak to a couple of your teammates on this podcast uh, about the run and everything like that. But and I, I know I got this chance to speak with you during the playoffs. But uh, just being in that and getting getting down to the nitty gritty for the last couple of years, uh, what's that experience been like? And what kind of what kind of like teeth grinding do you have to go through in these playoff games uh, when it's one to zero, two to zero, uh, going in deep into the playoffs? It's been fun. Last year has been fun because. I didn't think I was going to play soccer anymore after my uh, sophomore year. I just wasn't, you know, really performing up to the level of them. But then uh, Coach Grissinger, wanted, during the summer, just threw me a net one time because I don't, I don't know why he just asked me. So I said, sure. And then that all kicked off and just really the whole – I got really thrown into the playoff scene because I've never been in that type of caliber of uh, performance from Fort any other team for my team or the opponent's team. So I really just had to quickly adapt and it's been fun though. And then, and then once you started switching over to goal, um, Josh Lance kind of took you under his wing, right? A little bit and helped, uh, helped you with, uh, with all that transition. Yeah, he was great. He's been great. He, uh, unfortunately left during the mid season, which was upsetting because he didn't get to see us or see our journey, uh, to the States again. But yeah, he was amazing. Started, uh, really taught me everything that I know now because I was started fresh and yeah, he was, he was great. Well, then you also worked with uh, Alex Ivanov too, right? Yeah. Yeah. He was, uh, came in for short periods of time, like during tryouts in August, he would come around or just sprinkled in throughout the season. He'd come whenever Josh couldn't make it or just some different uh, insights. Mm -hmm. Does he live around here or? Um, I don't know. I think he hops around. I mean, because he played professionally for a while, right? Yeah, he played college. He played for Ohio State, and then I think he played for some club, professional club, uh, later on. So I, you said your last is 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 uh bowling your last sport? Then do you not play a, a spring sport? No. Okay, so no. just you just got bowling left then. Um, yeah. I mean, I, between I guess bowling, soccer. Do you have any like? Role models, any sports idols that you look up to um, in between the sports? I guess it's not really one person, but it's just like watching my experience with just sports in general. Seeing all these professional athletes, you know, doing what they what they're dreamed of and accomplishing what they've dreamed of, it really kind of drives me, I guess, to accomplish any of my goals. So I guess it's not one set person; it's just like seeing sports as a whole. Um, as talking to coach grissinger and he said to to ask you about, about the uh your uh playoff stories from the okamas and athens shutouts yeah that was uh that was an interesting time because uh, that was the okamas shutout was still uh, when i was pretty much fresh fresh on goalkeeping i didn't really know too much i was just kind of going off of what i learned quickly from that season and uh i don't know just everything clicked during the okamas game Everything went well. All the training went well. I did everything that Josh told me to do. We trained for him. It was just a good, good. Or I think, honestly, one of my best performances I've had was the Okemos game. And then the, the Athens game was, that was just a wild game all around, really. Because that was, my ankle was still very, I wasn't really 100%. I was kind of like 50. So it was a painful game. And then just, the stress, I guess, of knowing that they beat us last year in the States and wanting to beat them even more. Just, I kind of guess, piled up. No, I, I wanted to ask you, I'm going to ask you for both sports, uh, but try to keep it, you know, like 10 seconds. But explain to somebody who's never done it before, almost like you were a year and a half ago, in 10 seconds, how to play goalie. Athleticism. You need to have athleticism. I think that's the main now, sw now switch it over to bowling. What is something that in ten seconds that somebody has to do in order to succeed at bowl at succeed to succeed at bowling? Be mentally tough, mentally prepared. That's yeah. Is is that seven ten really the hardest thing to pick up? Any of you ever picked it up before? I don't think I've ever picked it up, but yeah, it's definitely the hardest. I've been close, but it's definitely the hardest. Do you think you could actually pick it up with the way that your yours probably has to come across and then shoot the pin all the way back, that seven all the way back to ten? Yeah, I definitely feel like one day because it's more common for two-handers also to pick that up than uh, one-hander just because of the power that we generate. 
know you do like a lot of traveling too and playing bowling and, and bowling outside of high school stuff. Mm-hmm. Talk about some of the places you've gone and experiences you had doing that. Um, so for bowling, I uh, made it to uh, nationals I think two years ago, and it was in, down in Detroit. And it's just uh, bowlers from all across America come, and you have to qualify. And uh, it's just a big kind of event to where you bowl for, if you get into the top, I think, like, five or something, you get a shot on TV, and then you can win, like, scholarships, win a trophy, win, I think, money, too. But that's really the main thing I think I've had for bowling. And I uh, qualified this year to go to Dallas for the same thing, Nationals. And then for soccer, I really... I mean, I kind of really haven't been around. I've been to a lot of camps for soccer just to uh, progress in in goalkeeping, just down in, like, Detroit, Oakland area, just kind of stuff like that. Well, Blade, thank you so much for joining us today at the Get Around. It was great speaking with you, getting to know you a little bit better, a little bit more about the, the bowling and soccer teams over at Traverse City West. Yeah, thank you for having me. Another huge thanks to Blade for joining us here at the Get Around, the Traverse City West Titan, uh, making a run to the state finals with them in soccer, hoping to do the same thing in bowling. That interview sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Order a tasty sandwich today with the Jimmy John's app. Let's go ahead and get into the chatter that matters, gentlemen. And obviously, the biggest news in sports this week is probably the let them play movement. Uh, obviously, biggest news in the state this week is probably the last let them play movement. High school kids are trying their darndest to put their one their worries and concerns in front of the state government. Uh, parents along alongside them, trying to see if Governor Whitmer or MDHHS will change their minds and let these kids start the winter season before February twenty first. Both of you gentlemen had a chance to talk to people both on the legal side, on the player side, on the coaches' side about this last week. So I'm going to defer to you guys a little bit. Um, I know there was a pretty big rally on Saturday with uh, quite a bit of statewide support, but what are we hearing from the legal side of things, Andrew? Obviously, you spoke with some representatives and what they're actually trying to do here. Um, what has it panned out like so far? Well, a couple of things that happened the last week on the legal side. The first thing was actually in the Capitol, both the Senate and I think the House heard arguments on it, but I don't think they actually voted on it yet. The Senate passed a resolution that basically asked the governor and that says that to, to the governor, we, the Senate, uh, the Michigan Senate, which is controlled by Republicans, believe that it's that you should change your mind on high school sports. It's not what is a resolution doesn't really do anything. But what it does get, say is it's the opinion of the Senate overall. Good example is to compare it to was the resolution by the House, the U.S. Congress to call on Vice President Pence to invoke the 25th Amendment and remove Donald Trump from office two or three weeks ago. Obviously, that didn't happen. So that kind of shows you what a resolution does uh, or doesn't do. Um, the second thing that happened in the legal sense was the let them, let them play had retained a lawyer. So they said that, okay, here's X amount of money. If, you're, if you need it, you can reuse it. You can withdraw from this fund and that's going to pay towards any expenses that you concur representing us as a group. Any emails you send, any letters you send, any hours you, you, you use of your time, you can pull out of this fund. And now I represent you and your group's um, beliefs to, to the state government. Um, what's all going to happen this week is anyone's best guess. And they did testify before. Uh, there was members of the group and some student athletes and some coaches that did testify before the House Oversight Committee, which does include some of the local elected reps. Um, and they pretty much explained to them why they want high school sports back. It is kind of a privilege to get invited into the Capitol where Governor Whitmer's office is. Um, so that was kind of significant, at least in my opinion. And Mark Ewell even said after the fact that he thought the student athletes' voices won the day. That was his words, not mine. Now, James, I mean, you talk about the voice of the student-athletes. You talked to a few of them last week who were very adamant about, you know, being a part of this movement. What have you heard from the kids in the community about uh, why they believe about this and exactly what their, their you know, motive is? Yeah, it's pretty much universal among the, the kids that we've talked to that uh, they all want to play. 
it's not a surprise, but I mean, they're just like, hey, we've we've worked for this. We've we've done everything you've asked us to do. Uh, the MHSAA has demonstrated that this can be done safely. And, you know, we were told that doing this with the football season was, was going to lead to the winter season being played after that. And now it hasn't. And, you know, there's there's a lot of frustration from these kids on, you know, that, that they haven't really been given good reasons why. That this is being pushed back or was pushed back more even uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, so, you know, and it's, it's pretty uh, understandable, you know, their frustration. And the, the coaches that you talk to usually bring up the, the mental health aspect and saying, you know, a lot of these kids, they, they need this outlet. They need this socialization, uh, activity, exercise, all those kind of things. And, you know, it's kind of hard to argue with them. I'm going to, though. i don't know i i swear my i can't keep my head straight on this on exactly which way i fall on if they should be able to if they shouldn't you know for i know i was starting to see no mounting reason why not why not why not and i started putting the bubbles together and i look at say once again the university of michigan shutting down its entire athletic program for a few weeks after this new variant and it being spread throughout the athletic program i just watched michigan state come off of 20 days without basketball because just about every single person on their team got it. And some of them had some pretty severe symptoms. It's, and they have testing every day. That's why they're shut down. I sit here and I think, you know, out of how many kids are in basketball alone, it's probably at least probably double, if not triple, what they had in that antigen testing program, the pilot program. Oh, it's, yeah. Even the antigen test program was five thousand something, mm-hmm. fifty-five or fifty-seven hundred kids, I think. Yeah. Uh, uh, supposedly, the total number of winter sports athletes is around sixty thousand. Exactly. Um, I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but the larger a sample size gets, even that point oh two percent that was t- testing positive out of the whatever the ninety-nine point eight percent or whatever it was, or ninety-eight percent, if it was just two percent of people. The, that number grows larger and larger with the larger sample size there is. And I keep hearing these kids aren't going to get sick. These kids aren't going to get sick. And it's like we've known from the start that the kids aren't the ones who are going to get terrible symptoms and are who the ones who are going to pass away. It's the people around them. And I still sit around and think about the way that college athletes have been basically put into bubbles, working with only their team, but still living on a college campus, um, not having quite the security. Um, I mean, dude, look at the NBA. It just looks like basketball is one of those sports that is just, it's going to transfer. It's going to go back and forth. And it's getting harder and harder for me to side with everybody saying, hey, you should play when every other stage, every other level of basketball isn't able to go on without a hitch. And you can't pick and choose. I feel like it's really hard to do like, hey, we'll go on, but then just have coronavirus quarantines. Like when it comes down to high school sports, once again, I don't think that levels the playing field. You know, there is no level playing field in that aspect. Um, you know, who might be able to play, who might not. It's going to be kind of tough um, to find that like, that common ground, and I don't know what they're going to do. It, I'm starting to I, – I had this thought over the weekend. I'm starting to get nervous that it might not happen on February 21st. Well, yeah, because that's just when the next uh, emergency order goes through. Yeah, that we're just – everybody's just planning for that, and I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but there's a chance that winter sports don't happen at all. I don't think anybody's actually said that yet. I guess I'm just going to be the one making bold statements – the last few weeks, but there's a chance that winter sports don't happen at all. I think, it, there, I think there is that chance, or or that it's just so short that it's basically we're starting playoffs. In Our, Michigan is it? Michigan isn't the only state that's been having these issues. I think it's one of the few that's actually dealing with the government side of things. But what I did hear from the, uh, the National Federation of State High School Associations, which is pretty much the bosses of the MHSAA, is that. A lot of these states that have tried to adjust their plans for basketball playoffs, you know, they moved, the, they either canceled the playoffs early and tried to schedule the season out later. To they tried to they they would they canceled the state playoffs early, and they moved their regular season to start a little bit later. Some of those haven't actually really established a regular season yet. Now there's 13 states that have yet to play a basketball game yet, and Michigan's actually not one of six states that haven't played any form of high school sports yet. 
I mean, Nevada just canceled both its wrestling and basketball seasons the other day. Hawaii's um, running into some issues with sports. California hasn't really started up either. They got to let them play movement. They got to let them play movement of their own in California. But, gentlemen, this isn't just a Michigan thing, but I got a feeling that Michigan students feel a little bit more shafted, I guess you can say, by this because of the so because of the constant, oh, we don't know what's going to happen, or we, we can't really say if this is going on or if it's act, if it's actually a thing or not. Oh, we're starting up again. Oh, we're starting back down. Oh, we're shutting down again. Oh, we might be starting up in three weeks. Actually, we're not. I think the big thing is that these teams are able to practice, and they don't see why they can't compete if they're all going to be in rooms together anyways. But what were you going to say, James? Yeah, I mean, part of that comes back to transparency and communication, and I don't think that the state government has been very good about uh, providing their data as to why they're doing this. they So the transparency has not been there. They haven't communicated well, although reports are that it's better since they changed directors of the uh, Health and Human Services Department. But, you know, they, the MHSA was pretty much shut out of all these discussions until a week or so ago when they, when they changed the directors of the health department. So, you know, I, I think there's some work that needs to be done on the government side of this, too, to to be a little bit more forthcoming with not only the MHSAA, but these kids, too, and not keep stringing them along and give them a goal line and say, this is what we need to accomplish before we can play sports again, because nobody knows what that is. And, and James, that's something that a lot of uh, businesses in Michigan are wondering, too. It's something the restaurants wanted to know. It's that what what's our baseline to let us reopen we want to know so we can plan on staffing and ordering food um it's a question a lot of people in the state are asking right now and we the record eagle filed freedom of information acts to figure those answers out i believe the wording was any and all data used uh by the michigan department of health and human services to continue the suspension of winter sports we are awaiting a response on that filed that about a week ago today so we should see what we get. That's the one thing is that I sit here and I go, oh, man, it's not really working out elsewhere. Started to look at that and, you know, everybody's kind of just like letting everything, letting it all happen. If we're talking about like prevention and control. It's not really happening very well elsewhere. So I'm starting to lose a little bit of faith in, in basketball as a whole, which is just making me sad because, once again, I really want to see these kids out there and I want – Especially in the last couple of weeks, I've been growing and growing on the side of just like, why are they not playing? Why are they not playing? And I kind of looked at it, and man, it's going to be tough uh, for it to happen even here in the next couple of weeks, regardless of what benchmark they need to reach. You know, we re reached that benchmark or whatever they thought it was in September of last year, and by November 15th, we were well out of control. Mm -hmm. And hopefully that experience, I think, leads to better behavior this time around. You know, I think people started really getting lax, and once everything was, once regulations were restricted or regulations were eased, I should say, people just tried to go about things like they were normal, even though they weren't. And hopefully, I think people will know better this time around when you know you can technically go out to dinner tonight if you want. Well, that was the Chatter That Matters, sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Jimmy John's is freaks about fresh bread, meat, and veggies because that means better sandwiches for all. Freaky fresh, freaky fast, Jimmy John's, freak yeah. we got a couple more segments. Let's dive into the Get Around Hall of Fame, where we each put up one athlete this week to put into the most exclusive club in northern Michigan. I'm going to go ahead and go first. And, you know, with me being at the only event I went to last week, that BNC meet, I'm going to put up Traverse City Central's. El Craven, sweeping both of those events in the slalom and giant slalom at Boyne Mountain, the longest conference run of the year for the Traverse City Central Trojans, leading them to three straight Big North Conference meet victories. Who do you guys have this week? I'll put up Taylor Phillips, uh, sister of former podcast Noel Phillips. We're bowling a 193 at last week's GNHBC bowling meet. Or is it HSBC? HS. <laughs> Northern or Great Northwest High School Bowling Conference. Yeah, yeah. GNHSBC. Yep. Many of that names. Way too many words. James, who you got? Uh, I'm going to put up Carson Fryer. I mentioned him before, but he led all bowlers uh, with a 230 for Traverse City Central. Um, just a, a pretty impressive 
impressive game there. The the next highest games of the day were 229 and 228. So he just barely got it, but he, he got that top score with a 230. I'm going to go ahead and put up L. Craven as my vote. I got to see her ski. And like I said, just like uh, her counterpart from Traverse City West, Aileen Lewandowski, you watch her go down the mountain, kind of like Andrew said, you can just tell that she is the fastest skier in the area. I'll second that. Andrew, we going unanimous once again? Yeah, I mean, she won the Peppy Town meet. I got to go with her as well. Yeah, she's, uh, like I said, I definitely think she is just the fastest uh, girl skier in our area. So congratulations to L. Craven, the latest inductee into the Get Around Hall of Fame, the most exclusive club in northern Michigan. Welcome to the party. We have one segment left, which is our trifecta. And gentlemen, it didn't take long for this to come to fruition. I said that he might be going to Dallas last week. We talked about trade scenarios to Houston, something down in the south, Indianapolis, even a place. But it ends up that Matthew Stafford is headed to the Los Angeles Rams to play under Sean McVay in that offense. Should be exciting for them, but let's talk about what the Lions got in return. They got Jared Goff, a young first overall pick. Obviously, in a transitional point in his career with a few years left on his you know, first big contract. And they get a third-round pick this season and then a first-round pick the next two years. I guess I'll toss the question out. I always do. I don't answer this one first. So, James, Andrew, whoever wants to go first, did we get what we expected? Did we get less? Did we get more? And are you excited for Jared Goff to be the new quarterback of the Detroit Lions? Am I excited for Goff? No, not really. <laughs> Am I happy with the all and picks that they got? Yeah, getting multiple firsts I think was was kind of a coup. Uh, I was hoping to get at least one, but I didn't expect really to get two. Being that their next year and the year after that probably played a factor in that the Rams didn't have a number one pick this year, but uh, and then getting another a third for this year obviously helps a little bit too. So the Lions will have four picks now in the top three rounds. Hopefully, can. Uh, get some extra talent on that defense and get that defense turned around. And and then maybe Goff is your bridge quarterback to, if you draft somebody in the first round this year, or if you see somebody that you think you want to target next year, you can be able to move up and get them. But, but as far as Goff, I don't know. Goff strikes me as Kirk Cousins 2.0. He's a good quarterback, but not a great one. Here's what I have to add. There, have you learned anything from the Bears? That trading away multiple first round draft picks, we, or that trading away multiple first round draft picks year after year, will not do you any any well as rebuilding your franchise. I don't think the Rams won this trade by any means. I don't think it was smart of them to do that at all. Well, I mean, the Rams aren't in the middle of a rebuilding phase. That's the thing is they've had an extremely good draft class each of the last five to eight years, including a draft class with Jared Goff. You look at some of the guys that they've been able to put on their team. They don't need those draft picks right now, especially them picking up Matt Stafford over the next couple of years. I, they, you know, the Rams are in a win now mode. I mean, just two years ago they were in the Super Bowl. You know, they're still not far away from that. They needed to just turn around and be able to compete in that division again. And I mean, like James said, I'm not excited per se about Jared Goff, but when the news came in, I wasn't PO'd. I looked and we talked about we look we talked about some of the quarterbacks that we could have ended up with. Jacoby Brissett, Jameis Winston, Mitchell Trubisky. These are the guys Mitchell Trubisky, Ryan Fitzpatrick, the guys that we talked about last week. You know, we thought we were stretching on, you know, Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott technically was a lower pick than Jared Goff. I mean, just about anybody would be with Jared Goff being a number one overall pick. Just like Matt Stafford himself. I mean, them getting two futures and we said last year, if they're if they're if they're good to it for me, if they're in the playoffs and hopefully win their first playoff game in 30 years, in two years from now, you know, um, after getting a couple of these first-round picks that they just picked up from the Rams, I am happy. If it takes them three years to, once again, use Goff to not tank, but to get them through, lose games here and there or just about everywhere and kind of not expect or not want to do better for Stafford, I think it's good for the franchise. He's a young guy. A per- I think he's the perfect guy to bridge a gap between – a veteran and somebody who's supposed to be brand new, you know? Yeah. I think he can be a good bridge quarterback. Nothing else. You, you draft somebody, um, maybe, maybe they give him a year to prove that he can, that he can be that guy and they don't have to use any draft capital on a quarterback. I, you know, maybe it works out. I'm not too optimistic about that, but maybe the lions are hoping on that. I mean, 
Brad Holmes, the current Lions GM, was the guy who was on staff with the Rams when they drafted Jared Goff. Yeah, I was going to ask that if you think that played a role. If, and especially he was on staff not that long ago with them. If he knew or thought, hey, uh, yeah, I know that they this is what they'll do for him. They'll, they want him out of there. Or I know that they wanted something new there um, after being part of that organization. Yeah, and you'd hope, I mean, like you mentioned, that they've drafted pretty well over the last, you know, six, eight years. And Holmes was a part of that. I mean, he's been with that team for 17 years prior to coming to the Lions. So he was their, you know, their college scout. Um, so all these guys came on recommendations from him, basically. So hopefully that translates over to the Lions having those kind of drafts where they realize, you know. I mean, hopefully, yeah, he hopefully he. I would say hopefully he has basically he has dudes slotted for those Rams picks already ready to go. Oh yeah, the Rams, you know, over the next couple of years probably going to be like the fifteenth to nineteenth pick, maybe a little bit higher than that. That he started looking at that talent for the Rams already kind of had these guys written down in his book for the first round for the Rams pick. He's going, I'll just take those, keep those penciled in my book, just move them over to my new organization plus what I have, and it will be all good. Yeah, and and, and the other thing I think is uh, that's interesting is how the the Rams have been trading first round picks away regularly for, for veteran players. And I'm not sure that it's necessarily as much of a win now thing as a, we are confident in our draft process and that we will find players in the mid rounds. And then we can use those number one picks to pick up a star player that makes a difference for us in a position of weakness. I can see that. Hey, I, I'll put it this way. Congrats to Matthew Stafford. Getting to go play in the city of Angels with his with his childhood friend Clayton Kershaw, as God, I cannot wait for not to hear that on Detroit sports television ever again. L.A. is about to get riddled with that uh, yeah. over and over and over I, again. I saw so many people who uh, ironically tweeted that. Well, yeah, but I was as if that isn't a sports a sports trivia fact that everybody in the country knows seventy times over. It gets mentioned every time you have a new person that broadcasts a Lions game, it gets brought up. And not even then. They don't I, realize. It usually just did, even if it was just like a national broadcast. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, because Kershaw would be playing in October. They'd be like, oh, and they'd be, just see the advertisement for the World Series or whatever, and they'd be like, oh, speaking of, Matt Stafford and Luke or Clayton Kershaw were best friends back when they were children. Yeah, it was driven into the ground. Yeah, and speaking of driving this podcast episode into the ground, we are about done here. Before we get out of here, need to make sure that we let you know who won our two free Jimmy John subs from last episode. James, you have that name, that person chosen from random on our social media. Who won our subs this week? That was uh, Michael Kolonowski. Uh, he uh, liked the uh, podcast on Facebook. Appears to be a Trevor City Central fan. Go Trojans fans. Thank you so much for interacting with our podcast. Thank you so much for listening, as always, to our lovely Audible viewers. That's episode 161 of The Get Around. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at TCRE Sports. Same on Instagram. If you want to follow me, at Jake Atnip, at JamesCook14 for my man James over there, and by at by Andrew R for Andrew Rosenthal. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week for episode 162.